we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and anyone who's ever dreamed of taking flight in a giant balloon. That's me. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And yeah, Balloons. here we are. <laughs> Um, Sequoia. Yeah. You know how before we sent humans up in space rockets, we were sending like dogs and monkeys up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really sad shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're still floating around. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, we did the same shit when we were first playing around with hot air balloons. They're not still floating around. No. Fun fact: uh, the first recorded instance of a balloon being launched for scientific purposes was in 1783. Oh, the Montgolfier brothers in France set up a hot air balloon carrying a rooster, a duck, and a sheep to study the effects of altitude on living creatures. Because before there were planes, there were balloons. You hmm. know, that's what human flight was. We were going up in balloons, but first yeah. we had to check how it would affect the sheep. R yes, sheep was fine. Okay. The animals obviously survived without any apparent harm. So, later that same year, they organized the first successful hot air balloon flight with human passengers, paving oh. the way for enormous developments in human flight. <laughs> the first airplane wouldn't come along until, I think, 1904. Something like that. I, I've never brought this up on the show. I don't know if I should bring it up now or if it'll be a better place, but I have a unhealthy fascination with airships. Blimps. Yeah. I fucking love blimps. Those are cool. If I if I had like giant fuck you Jeff Bezos money, even less, actually a lot less. I don't even need Bezos money. I would commission Not an airship. Blimp. An airship. Yeah. Full on airship with like I'd have gardens outside of it. It'd be like a you could live on this fucking thing, just float around watching everything. <laughs> so expensive uh, yeah, be, fuel. yes it would be tremendously expensive it would probably crash and burn because i'd have to like just get a couple crazy engineers who are willing to do this for i me. hope that this dream comes true for you i hope so too it's all i've ever wanted <laughs> that's beautiful reactions to hot air balloons were mixed because up until this point in time, the idea of humans being up in the sky was just a fantasy. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like that, that was just something that we imagined. Icarus. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people believed that the balloon was a manifestation of the devil. How? You know, it's bad. Just any progress is bad. The trains mm. were evil. The trains, if you get on them, they're going to flay your skin off because it's going to go too fast and no. humans aren't meant to go that fast. Yeah. <laughs> But other people saw it as a symbol of progress and human ingenuity. Like, this is awesome. We're putting big balloons in the sky. Yeah. You know? It's like at Pretty the end cool. of The Wizard of Oz. How does Dorothy get home? She goes off in a big old hot air balloon. I thought she just clicked her fucking heels together. There was a hot air balloon in there. The wizard fucking flies away. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wizard flies away. I'm fucking it up. Yeah. Dorothy clicks her heels together. That's the whole thing. That's why they got to get that the shoes. That is the whole thing. Yeah. Ruby slippers. Yeah. So. Yep. God damn it. <laughs> 61 years after the first hot air balloon ride, 1844, 
Edgar Allan Poe published a story in the New York Sun claiming that a group of intrepid adventurers had constructed a massive balloon named Victoria. Big Vicky. Yes. Big Vicky was able to lift off the ground using special gas, and she could cross the Atlantic Ocean in just three days. That's a quick balloon. Yeah. Yeah. The balloon was said to have been piloted by a man named Monk Mason, <laughs> whose fellow travelers included a famous British novelist and a dog named Fido. Get the fuck out of here. The article None of this is true. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the article described in detail various challenges that the crew faced on their journey. Uh, violent storms, encounters with sea creatures, seas of jellyfish. Oh, shit. Collisions with other flying objects, birds in the sky. That's sick. And the whole intent of this piece was to generate circulation and popularity for the New York Sun paper. Jesus Christ. And it worked. No, no. It wasn't until a couple days later that readers learned they'd been hoaxed and that the balloon event never happened. Now, fast forward to 2009. The world was once again enthralled by a balloon story, but this time it was a real-life event people could watch live on television, Son not just bitch. read about. Richard and Mayumi Heaney... Parents of a young boy named Falcon claimed that their son was stuck in a homemade helium balloon as it floated across Colorado. The incident was covered live by news stations and the country held its breath as the balloon eventually landed empty. Oh, no. With Falcon found hiding in his family's attic. I can't wait to share the news footage of oh like when the balloon lands and it's live and they're like opening up the balloon and there's like it, there's nobody in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it was later revealed that the incident was a hoax, similar to Poe's balloon story. But while both hoaxes involved balloons and captured public attention, the motivations and outcomes of the two hoaxes were quite different. So we're doing balloon hoax stories. Okay. Okay. Because there's two stories of balloon hoaxes that are rather interesting. Well, there was a couple balloons in the news a little while ago. That's true, too. <laughs> That's very true. Shot him down with like F-35s or some shit. I think Richard Heaney is behind those, too. So. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> it's definitely him and his three boys. The Heaney boys. Oh, are they, uh, have their F-29s? F F anyway, the most advanced fighter jets we have. The only time they've ever shot down anything in the sky was these goddamn balloons. Technological marvels. Wow. <laughs> you know, we still, we're still not allowed to see the debris of those balloons. The whole thing is very suspicious. I don't like, know I gotta what's say. going on, but maybe it's all bullshit because it seems like balloons. Maybe that's a hoax. Kind of wouldn't. <laughs> it would fit really the. Doubt it. it would fit the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So before we float away into today's stories, we're gonna do what we do. We're gonna pull a tarot card, then we're gonna talk or about the balloons. It. Yes. About this at the end of the episode. Let's see what we got. The Two of Swords. The Two of Swords. Yes. Peace. Kind of. Yeah, it is. It the is Lord peace. of Peace Restored, I believe is the, right. the name. In the Rider Waite Smith deck, it depicts a woman seated in front of a still body of water. Yep. She has a blindfold on and she has two swords crossed in front of her in almost this defensive manner yeah she's introspecting she's she's inward and it's it's very interesting because i pulled this card recently for myself and i interpreted it as a message to check 
when I actually need to defend myself and when the waters are calm and there's actually nothing going on, you know? Yeah. Take those moments to go inward. So, of course, tarot can be interpreted in a number of different ways, depending on what it pertains to. I'm looking forward to seeing how this connects. Um, I'm thinking I'm just Richard Heaney specifically word. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can. Yeah. He is such an interesting man to me. Like, you know, when you see someone that has a great deal of potential, but just fucking has squandered it. Yeah. 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 And is just made an asshole of themselves, and you're like, why are you? you it didn't have to be. Why like are you this. calling me out like this? It's a turnaround jump shot, it's everybody jump start It's every generation throws a hero up the pop charts Medicine is magical and magical is art Think of the boy in the bubble and the baby with the babbling heart And I believe these are days Lasers in the jungle, lasers in the jungle somewhere Staccato signals of constant information A loose affiliation of millionaires and billionaires and babies these are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow-mo The way we look to us all, oh yeah The way we look to a distant constellation That's dying in the corner of the sky These are the days of miracle and wonder And don't cry, baby, don't cry Wow. I love thinking about that in relation to the Balloon Boy story. I know, yeah. But first we're going to talk about the balloon hoax of 1844. Right. So we're living in the age of fake news, right? Sure. Like, supposedly, it's more difficult now than ever to separate the wheat from the chaff, the the real from the fake with the advent of the internet, photo manipulation, software, deepfakes, AI technology. Dude, it's always been like this. Yep. It's it's worse actually. It was yep. worse because back then, back in the day, back in the day, all you had was just what some guy said. Yeah. Some motherfucker wrote in a piece of paper that. Well, I guess this is true. I got nothing it's in else. The newspaper. It's in the news, he wrote the it news. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The penny press. The nineteenth century. A lot of the transformations brought about by that parallel the things that we see today sure. with the internet. Sure. Sure. Like, you know, the internet, the digital news landscape of today. The penny press inaugurated by the New York Sun paper and other papers of the time it was not colored by arguments over facts, yeah. but hoaxes, imposters, fictions, artists, cheats. Those were the biggest stories was the fake shit. Of course. You know? That's the fun stuff. It is. And, you know, the publishing industry was flourishing. So many newspapers, magazines, book publishers just vying for readership at the time. Yeah, yeah. And also the public has a voracious appetite for sensational stories. We love content. Yeah. (laughs) We want the good content. We want the fun stories. Yes. Life is hard. Slavery's going on. (laughs) Nations fucking falling apart. A lot of shit's happening. This leads to the rise of yellow journalism. Yeah. So the penny press, which emerged in the 1830s and 40s and aimed to appeal to a working class audience, it was known for its sensationalism often relied on lurid crime stories and scandalous accounts of vice and immorality to attract readers. Mm. Yeah. 
Also, newspapers found out that if they engaged in partisan reporting, you know, promoting the views of a particular political party or faction. Getting emotional about it. Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, brushing accuracy and fairness to the side. We can uh, really build this paper if we appeal to this audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds like all of human history. Yup. Yeah. Yeah, so (laughs) back in the 19th century, the mainstream press regularly just published fictional stories to boost sales. I mean, listen, here's the fucking thing, though. If you want to get right down to it, you want to get right down to it, fucking, there's no, you cannot get an accurate view of what's happening somewhere else in the world, sitting on your ass on a couch, no matter what you're reading. It's all always going to be fiction in one way or another. Yes. You know? Well put. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the most famous stories was included in an 1890 issue of the Tombstone Epitaph about cowboys shooting down a pterodactyl. Holy shit, that's awesome. There's like a photo to go along with it. It's fantastic. Um, Yeah, it led to the theory that what they shot down was the legendary Thunderbird. (laughs) Native American lore. Yeah, it led to the creation of several faked photographs. That was a whole big deal. So yeah, basically since newspapers, um, since people have existed, writers have created various fake stories to um, entertain themselves and others and boost publicity. Get that cash. Yeah. Yeah. You know Weekly World News, right? Of course. Yeah. I would always wish that my mom would buy me one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Like at the checkout. Likewise. Uh, One day she finally did. (laughs) There was a story in there. About a boy who was being bullied and terrorized by his own shadow. <laughs> made me fucking terrified. I was scared of my own shadow. And, oh my you know, god. I'm sure like a psychiatrist would love to dig into that god. one. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I can say this now. I'm friends with my shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bat Boy, that was like a weekly world news thing. That's their, that's the, what that's they're known for. Thing. Yeah. But the first Bat Boy was discovered in 1835 on the moon. Holy shit. Well, that's where Bat Boy's from. Yeah, and that was published in the New York Sun. But we'll talk more about that in a second. Okay. One of the writers known to craft hoaxes for papers was none other than the legendary Edgar Allan Poe. And like, does he really need an introduction? Because we we all know the Raven, right? We we know all of his stories, you know, moving on. Yeah, we know all of his stories. (laughs) We know who he is. Like many writers of the time, Poe was basically always struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. And, you know, sure, his writings were critically acclaimed, but they still didn't bring in enough money to support his wife and his drinking habit. No. So Poe often worked for newspapers to earn a reliable, if modest, income. Man, what a miserable fuck. He's just drunk as shit right in the, right in the pit in the pendulum. Yeah. Right? And then just like for, for a job, he's just lying to people. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the short stories that he wrote was called The Unparalleled Adventure of One Hands Fall. Okay. That's a short story that was published in June 1835 in an issue of Southern Literary Messenger. Mm. Tells the story of Hands Fall, a Dutchman who claims to have traveled to the moon in a hot air balloon. My My goodness. The tale is presented as a series of documents including letters and journal entries mm-hmm. which detail falls fantastic journey and challenges that he faced along the way you know and it's a story it's not really uh, purporting to be true but it's a fun way of telling a story yeah and doing it in that like whatever you would you would call that yeah uh medium it's just man <clears throat> nothing changes and it seems like you know someone 
Someone who worked for the New York Sun might have read this story, The Unparalleled Adventure of One Hands Fall. I mean, might, might, gotten maybe. some ideas because another story came out shortly after. The famous Great Moon Hoax. The Great Moon Hoax? Great Moon Hoax was published. It wasn't called that at the time, but that is what it's known as. Right. Yeah. I doubt they would. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, so, like, what's this Moon Hoax business about, huh? I'm wondering. Yes. Apparently, life was discovered on the moon in 1835. Oh, my. When scientists observed two monkeys named Annie and Charles. You're you're shitting me. No, I'm just... That's a deep cut for people that have listened to our <laughs> yeah, Charles-led I was going to say, the monkeys on the moon. That's <laughs> yeah. where this comes from. They had past lives as monkeys on the moon. Yep. No. But no. Um, okay. Apparently, scientists had observed hairy men with bat wings, <laughs> moon bisons, Blue unicorns, <laughs> bipedal beavers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Also, uh, fully with, with illustrations, like you can find a bunch of great lithographs and illustrations that go along with this story. Oh, I love moon bisons. Yeah. Um, you know, also part of this article, um, there's a completely legitimate <laughs> and not racist hierarchy of alien beings with intelligent, peaceful white humanoids at the top and hairy, dark-skinned, beast-like hybrids at the bottom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's going on there, too. Hell yeah. I'm like, okay. Hell yeah. Seeing that in 1835. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Friends. So yeah, this uh, moon hoax story is fucking wild. Mm. See, the author of the story had made use of a classic hoax technique. The son claimed that they were just reprinting discoveries made by this other astronomer, ah. Sir John Herschel, <laughs> over in South Africa. In South Africa. How the fuck is he? He's never going to read this. He's sure. never going to read this to be able to dispute that he had anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't. You can just say there's a Dr. John Herschel in fucking South Africa. Like, what are you going to do? Check? Uh, yeah. <laughs> nope. What the fuck? In 1835? You, you no. got no recourse. Yeah. So they claim that Sir John Herschel had... um had seen all this stuff. He was, in fact, a real guy. He was a real English astronomer. Oh, okay. Okay. He traveled to the Cape of Good Hope in 1834. You know, he had a paper. They said his paper was published in the Edinburgh Journal of Science. Sure. I just had to say that so I could prove to our listeners that I, I can say Edinburgh you, properly now. Dude, you didn't say it properly. We're never going to. It's fine. It's I some did, weird... It's I some... did good. I did better than I did before. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, like... It's never going to be good enough for the Scots. Nothing ever is. Nothing ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So according to the sun, when Sir John Herschel looked through his telescope, he saw beaver men and, and bat boys. Beaver men and bat boys. Yeah. And I'll post some pictures of, of this stuff on our Instagram. Yeah, because, yeah. Wow, these illustrations. As it turns out, the moon hoax was concocted by a guy named Richard Adams Locke who was the editor of the New York Sun, yeah. trying to gain some publicity. And it worked out really nicely for him that Haley's Comet was predicted for that same year. And the comet was first spotted, you know, in the atmosphere by U.S. astronomers on the very day that this hoax was published. Oh, so no it was shit. like the comets in the sky. Everyone was looking like, up. Yeah, yeah the sky yeah, yeah. is very much in, in people's minds, sort of looking up to different possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, and... For some reason, the comet just helped make these other sky-based claims seem more believable, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, it makes zero sense, but it totally makes sense. I was looking into the history of Haley's Comet. We've known about that forever, like, yeah. for such a long time. And there's been so many different hoaxes, so many different interesting things that have popped up off the back of Haley's Comet. I mean, obviously, Heaven's Gate is the most... Was that Haley's or Hale Bop? Oh, was it Hale Bop? I think it was Hale Bop. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I love the comet. I got a, I got a good picture of the one that was fucking fucking around a couple years ago. I saw one not that long ago. Yeah, there was one pretty recently, but the back in uh, like summer twenty twenty, I think it was. You're right. It's Hale Bop. Hell yeah, nailing that shit, nailing that trivia. You have to. Because I can't be coming in here with, with these wrong facts, you know? <laughs> God good, damn it. I'm good for the trivia. It's my one true skill. How will anyone trust anything I say? <laughs> As we've already established, no one should ever trust anything. It's true. Yeah. We're not here to educate you. Yes, we are. <laughs> I <laughs> I'll try. Take me with a grain of salt. Sorry, right. I just cut out all the lies in post. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's always the shit that I say off the cuff that's like not right too. Oh yeah, I just I'm be. Like, oh, I think this. And then, Dude, I just be saying stuff sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that's it's fine. You know, <laughs> the bad part is like if I guest on someone else's show and I just start saying stuff like I'm used to because I can just cut out shit, cut shit out. <laughs> so two weeks after publishing the Moon Story, the Sun. Would take it all back. The moon would... The sun would take back the moon. The sun takes back the moon. Yeah. Yeah. No, we never found anything on the moon. We're sorry, guys. They <laughs> issue this apology that basically says something along the lines of, hey, well, at least it distracted from all the conflict over slavery going on, right? Like, we all kind of needed something else to focus on. Oh, that's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moon hoax provided an outlet for the era's shifting sense of truth, as it were. Mm. As English professor Ormond Seavey puts it in an introduction to the moon hoax's 1970s reprint. The sun had stumbled across an unexpected fact about American society. The New Yorkers of Andrew Jackson's second term did not especially care to read the news. Political life bubbled and fizzled around them constantly anyhow. They had no need of being further informed. People did not expect to believe everything they read. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's why, dude, it's why I'm like just like not worried about fucking deep fakes or whatever. Mm -hmm. This so, was also Andrew Jackson. That was the era when this whole idea of political smearing campaign yeah. Yeah, yeah. popped up too. Like that wasn't a big thing up until then. <clears throat> mm. Andrew Jackson really riled people up. Well, he was a huge piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could think of some parallels. Yeah. Between Actually, yeah. time in history yeah. and our time in history. It's true. So in 1844, a decade after Richard Locke's great moon hoax and Poe's story of Han's fall, Poe decides to move to New York City. He had been living all around. You know, and at this time, NYC is a bustling metropolis, rapidly growing in population and influence. Yeah. He arrives on April 6th with his wife, Virginia. And his mother-in-law, Maria Clem. Such a sad fucking life. Yeah, he's seeking, <laughs> seeking new opportunities in the publishing industry. Yeah. You know, he'd already gained some recognition for his literary works, but he hoped that New York would be able to provide him with a larger audience, more chances to establish himself as a prominent writer in this highly competitive literary landscape. It's so funny that now this motherfucker is Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Like... <laughs> and so, 
on April 13th, 1844. That's today. You're right. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> the front page of the New York Sun read the words. Astounding news by Express via Norfolk. The Atlantic crossed in three days. Signal triumph of Mr. Monk Mason's flying machine. The great problem is at length solved. The air, as well as the earth and the ocean, has been subdued by science and will become a common and convenient highway for mankind. The Atlantic has been actually crossed in a balloon and in the inconceivably brief period of about 75 hours from shore to shore. Yes. The sun declared that the first successful air balloon flight across the Atlantic had been completed thanks to the technical ingenuity of Chief Aeronaut Monk Mason. Fucking aeronaut, dude. Yeah. We don't have aeronauts anymore. <laughs> Gotta say I love the name Monk Mason. Oh, it's a great name. It's a good name. Yeah, yeah. Not a real person, though. Hmm. Character based on a real person. Okay. Guy named Thomas Monk Mason. Irish hey. adventurer. T. Monk Mason's a pretty good name, too. It is. I like how, you know, names of foreign people, like non-Americans, tend to be picked to be included in these hoax stories. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense, though. You can't look him up. Right. Or it's harder to look him up. So Thomas Monk Mason was an Irish adventurer, a flutist, mm. a science fiction writer, no, a science writer, and balloonist who in 1836 sailed in a hot air balloon from Wales to Germany. That's not bad. Yeah. The details of that are included in a little book called An Account of the Late Aeronautical Expedition from London to Wheelberg. Wildberg. I don't know. It's just, who knows? So, you know, in the April 13th article. Yeah. The big one. Yeah. The Sun included Monk's joint onboard diary with another famous man. Harrison Ainsworth. Harrison Ainsworth. Yes. Detailing all the technical challenges of the rapturous journey faced. Yeah, it's like this dual diary of these okay. two guys. Harrison Ainsworth was none other than William Harrison Ainsworth. Just take off the first names of these guys? Yeah, pretty much. Word. Who was a real guy, an English historical novelist, and author of a popular book <laughs> at the time called Jack Shepard. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's funny. Yep. Mr. Monk Mason and Mr. Harrison Ainsworth, they were just two of the eight passengers aboard. That's a cramped balloon. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Eight people, one balloon. Yeah. I don't know about that. Crazy shenanigans. Yeah. The Sun obtained the exclusive story thanks to the energy of an agent at Charleston. <laughs> uh, they alluded to getting it by extraordinary means. You know, like special express trains, carrier pigeons, electromagnetic telegraphs of Morse code. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it was just getting this story was a big deal. Sure. Um, and of course, public lapped it up. At least most of them did. <laughs> you know, there, there are definitely some, there's definitely some amount of skepticism. Sure. But it turns out that it didn't really matter if the story was true or not. Because it got people excited. Gets the people going. Yeah. Became the talk of the town. You know, eager crowds gathering outside the sun's offices. <clears throat> Poe recalled. I never witnessed more intense excitement to get possession of a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Every, Edgar Allan Everyone voice. wanted their own copy of it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everyone had to have it. Well, two days later, the sun printed a retraction. The mails from the south last Saturday night, um... Not having brought a confirmation of the arrival of the balloon from England, the particulars of which, from our correspondent, we detailed in our extra, 
We are inclined to believe that the intelligence is erroneous. The description of the balloon and the voyage was written with a minuteness and scientific ability, calculated to obtain credit everywhere, and was read with great pleasure and satisfaction. We by no means think such a project impossible. So basically, sorry, but you're entertained, right? It was right? fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were. And they were. People were entertained. They weren't even really mad. Yeah. And thus, the balloon hoax of 1844 cemented itself as having a lasting impact on the literary and cultural landscape. It influenced a whole bunch of other works and shaped public perception of hoaxes and sensationalism in the years that followed. You know, that's it's fine. Yeah. In the 1880s, um, the New York Herald published the Canoe Hoax. The Canoe Hoax? Which was like basically the same story, except a bunch of, it was two guys in a canoe that crossed the Atlantic. That's nowhere near as fun. Yeah. It just sucks. Why would right? you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's not as fantastic. No. But the Canoe Hoax did pretty well for them. Word. Yeah. What's... Oh. <sighs> what? Well, I was going to say, like, what's a modern equivalent? But I think we're getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh. Uh. So Poe's hoaxes had an impact on the genre of science fiction, um, highly influencing Jules Verne. Yeah. In Verne's 1865 novel, From the Earth to the Moon, he pays homage to Poe's story, The Unparalleled Adventure of One Hand's Fall. Yeah, yeah. He includes it as a book read by one of the characters in his novel. Oh, hell yeah. And then in Jules Verne's novel, Five Weeks in a Balloon, or Journeys and Discoveries in Africa by Three Englishmen, <laughs> the balloon in the story is named Victoria. Oh, hell yeah. 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 So ultimately, the success of this balloon hoax demonstrated these types of stories were good at capturing the public's attention. For sure. And now we know hoaxes are good for driving newspaper sales. We know that yellow journalism... Is a cool thing. I don't want to discount the balloon either. No, that's a big part of it. People love a balloon. That's a huge part of it. There's something about the balloon that we're drawn to as a people. I very much agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, this whole balloon hoax stuff. I, I do feel like it was kind of a step back. In, in journalism, you know, for truthful news reporting. No, fuck all that. But fuck all that, dude. There's no such thing. There's no such goddamn thing. Like, yeah, people are going to do it. You know what I mean? It's true. We can't, like, bemoan the fact that, like, oh, they did they did a, they did a like, fucking hoax them up. The news, not as, like, the news, you but as stories. Yeah, it's incredibly dangerous to think of it as... You're reading the, the story. The truth. Yeah. You know? Like, it'd be it's nice... Not. It's nice to know that you're Someone's getting... Someone's version of the truth. Yeah, always. Every time. No matter what. Like, even if it was, like, a perfect AI and shit, like, it still doesn't see every single thing. There could be a picture in one of the perpetrator's wallets that gives a whole other motivation and understanding of the situation that unfolds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're just never going to know the truth. Nope. Like, but, like, at the same time, it would be nice to, like, be able to rely on facts again and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I figure, like, you know, it's a step back in being able to, you know trust the media which why would you ever do that to begin with but you know but do you think that like uh, uh i think it was a step forward in like creative storytelling sure i i feel like as the there, there's there's gonna be like a ratio of bullshittery and like that Absolutely, ratio is like, yeah. so like the more access to information you get you're just gonna get more bullshittery 
as a, as a result. You know? I feel like that's why the weekly world news exists because it sits on the shelf next to all of these other things that purport themselves <laughs> to be real, but are actually just a bunch of nonsense bullshit that you don't need to know about. Don't yeah, need yeah. to read about like people magazine. Why the fuck does that exist? Why, why do you I, need to know what, I don't know what the celebrities are wearing? I don't know. You know, like, so to put this obvious hoax paper next to all of these other papers that, you know, Try to make themselves look legitimate. Yeah. I mean, like, especially those, like, fuck all that. Like, if if you're trying to get, like, the real information, like, you don't go to yeah the newspaper. Like, if you're actually trying to get the real dirt, like, there's other sources for that. There's fucking reporting collectives and shit. Yeah. Like, they, it's, yeah. This is definitely an important, like, point on the corkboard for <laughs> um, newspapers and their relationship with, like, us as a people right yeah changing fundamentally yeah yeah well our relationship with the flow of information yeah 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 precisely like just the existence of the penny press and papers and being able to like deliver magazines on a wide scale yeah cheaply yeah 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 you know i mean the history of human civilization is the history of information technology like that's yeah it's such a huge part of like what drives us to change as a people and 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 Changes cultural mores and shit. It's just our relationship with the flow of information itself. And I love the idea of a bunch of, you know, like disgruntled writers who, you know, they're not getting the type of work that they want. You know, it's not challenging them creatively. So what do they do? They <laughs> inject get- this creativity into these papers and decide like, okay, we're going to play around with. Yeah, they're having fun with as it. As a storytelling medium. Like, how can we craft fake news stories that would be a good creative outlet that's fun to do yeah like i can just yeah i can imagine how this happens and seeing how in the creator's mind they're not thinking that this is doing anything wrong and And i don't honestly i'm not sure that it is i'm not sure it is because it's not like who does this hurt yeah like what sort of decisions does that impact to does it make people do anything bad no 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 it just inspires people to imagine more yeah things that might be possible yeah i'd say having fun with it yeah <laughs> yeah i wouldn't do it though i have a reputation to uphold what's yeah. easy to check now too you it's know? true by the way um the first non-powered human carrying balloon to actually cross the atlantic ocean yeah took place in 1978 it was called the Double Eagle 2. <laughs> a whole 134 years after this balloon hoax. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the Double Eagle 2 attained an altitude of 25,000 feet, just as Poe described in his story. Oh, shit. Trip took six days. Okay. Wow. Several other attempts had been made before that, uh, but they were not as successful with a death toll numbering five. <laughs> oh, damn. One dude died... Uh, when a balloon he was piloting called the Spirit of Man popped over the coast of New Jersey. He didn't make it very Holy far. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> a fucking dumb bastard. Fucking devil <laughs> Yeah. So, um, now we're going to turn our attention to something more recent. What okay. is the, the modern equivalent? Yeah. Well, we have one. The balloon boy hoax. Yeah. Do you remember this at all? No. If you asked your parents about it, I feel I'm like they sure would they would. Totally like I feel like I I was 19. I should remember this. Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> the event unfolded on October 15th, 2009. 
when a homemade helium balloon shaped like a UFO was released into the skies of Colorado. <laughs> purportedly with six-year-old Falcon Heaney on board. Okay. As millions of people watched the live coverage, authorities scrambled to rescue the child, only to discover later that it was all an elaborate ruse. Oh, so, boy. who are Richard and Mayumi Heaney? I would love to know. And how did this happen? Why did they do it? What were the consequences? Where are they now? Yeah. First, let's get some background on the happy couple, right? Okay. Because I have to get this out of the way. One time, Richard passed out in a McDonald's and claims that he communicated with aliens while on the other side. Okay. Uh, he also believes that he had a past life as a captain of a spaceship. <laughs> and that his real parents are aliens. So make of that what you will. Oh, okay, yeah, I will. We will be getting back to it. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I just had to get it out yeah, of the yeah. way. Okay. <laughs> just like, we can't talk about all of this without that context in the back of our minds. Yeah. So along with former TV weatherman Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens. Yep. Scott Stevens here with the weather. Yeah. Richard Heaney man with no professional science training or background. They create a team called the man Science... Man with no job. Yes. <laughs> the Science Detectives. You wrote that as P-S-Y. That is how it's spelled. Okay. Like, Sci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Science. They're based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. They did research together. They also put out a radio video show, you know? Okay, about psychic powers. About science, about storm tracking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they actually got a bit of success, enough so that um, the Denver Post wrote an article about them, you know, about their storm tracking activities. Okay. I thought with the, the way science was spelled. Yeah, that it would have more to do with like psychic stuff, but yeah. no. No. Okay. So this article is written prior to the Balloon Boy incident ever happening. This is just based on their merits as a, a storm tracking team. And Richard Heaney says in this article that he became intrigued with the concept of storm chasing in 1979 while he was working as a contractor in Waco, Texas. A tornado ripped off a roof where he was working and dropped it 300 yards away. But not one single shingle was disturbed. <laughs> and he thought, what the fuck's that about? That's weird. What do you mean it's weird? He thought that it was weird that, that the roof was, like, torn off in one piece and landed and, like, everything looked normal, even though it, it was spun around in a tornado. It's a sturdy roof. What are you talking about, guy? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's weird how good a roof it was. Well, that, that, was, that was his inciting event. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that that was scary, you know? Oh, definitely. But what, did he, like, think there was something magical about the tornadoes? Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard officially began his weather research in 2002 with lab experiments. God knows what he was doing. Then moved on to dust devils in Grapevine, California. Okay. Start, starting to research dust devils. Uh, in 2005, he flew a plane around Hurricane Wilma's perimeter. They're letting this man fly a plane? Yeah. Okay. The way that he met Scott Stevens, the other half of the science detectives, was through a radio program that Richard was hosting. Okay. So he's always been sort of this entrepreneur, showman, like, he has a YouTube channel that is still fairly active, oddly enough. Them um, dust devils ain't natural. Yeah. It's right in the name. Devil. It's right in the name. See? Giving up all the storm chasing stuff. He gave it up? He gave it up. Okay. Even though he's so passionate about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they they never proved their theory. 
which was that rotating storms can create their own magnetic fields. It's okay. not that dumb of a theory. I, I don't know. It doesn't sound that dumb, but I don't know. It's shit not that about, dumb. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Scott Stevens thought that what they were doing could rewrite meteorology because if rotating storms could produce magnetic fields and you could use like rockets to, you know, go up and measure that and measure the magnetic fields in the Wait. air, you could predict when storms are coming better. Hold or up. Whatever. This is actually the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Fucking magnets. How do they work? I, because they work. Is the best answer anyone has. Yeah. It's it's one of the basic forces of the universe, so it just kind of works. The it's storms kinda, are creating magnet fields. Hold the fuck on. It's real easy to test that theory. Yeah. Get a fucking compass, see if it goes wiggly when a fucking tornado's coming. The hell are you doing? Like, we would... That's... If it was strong enough magnetic field to not fuck up a roof... Like, you'd be able to but test that pretty it, goddamn easy. Then he doesn't have any excuse to ride his special motorcycle into the storm. You can just go look at him. No, he has to ride his special motorcycle <laughs> yeah. into the eye of the storm. <clears throat> I mean, I love those guys. I'm thankful for them. I watch their fucking live streams every time they almost yep. kill themselves. It's it's awesome. Yep. But you can just you can just be that guy. We need you. So for Richard, this whole storm chasing endeavor, it becomes a family activity. The children are coming along for nearly every excursion. As- uh, that's not safe. Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's really not safe. You know, and Richard, he's just, he's looking for evidence. He's going to prove his theory that storms create magnetic fields. He brought his kids, but he didn't bring a compass. No. <laughs> they did have a, a computer tracking system in their car. And like I said, he's got the motorcycle and it's special. And yeah, they take the kids, they pack up and they just drive straight into the storm. How many people are on this motorcycle? Just him. The family usually stays back and just, you know, watches him. Oh, like, oh, so he just, like, gets on a motorcycle from, like, that's, like, being towed by a fucking... It's actually a dirt bike. So he's got a fucking dirt bike in the bed of his fucking little Ford Ranger that he's packing a whole bunch of people into. He just gets out and, like, the family just watches him fucking tear ass into it. Yes, that's exactly what happens. That's so stupid. Yeah. What a fucking mook. One of Richard Dini's former business partners, Barbara Slusser, told ABC News that she and Steve... Scott? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's not right. Barbara Slusser told ABC News that she and Scott Stevens split from Richard partly because of his temper. Makes sense. Which she couldn't deal with. And also because... He put his kids in the line of fire a bit too much. The last straw for us was when Hurricane Gustav and Hurricane Ike were heading towards the Texas coastline, and Heaney wanted to go back there and take the kids. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, I'm just going to take my kids straight into this hurricane. Barbara Slusser also had some interesting things to say about Mayumi's role in the relationship. She's a highly intelligent woman, lovely soul, but man, she's gotten herself into a situation with Richard and the kids. Whatever he says goes, she's basically a slave. Oh my god. So we know okay. Richard's special interest lies in weather and storms and all that stuff, but what about Mayumi? Let's learn a little bit about her. Um, she was born in Japan in 1964. Okay. A fact that Richard really likes because he thinks that it makes her superior to American women because Japanese and Asian women are more subservient to their oh, men. Oh, I'm, God. I'm not kidding. That is really what Richard thinks. Oh, no. Oh, he's a bastard. Yeah. Uh, Mayumi moved to Los Angeles thinking that she would become an actor in 1987. Okay. And she escaped her abusive, domineering father. So it's... 
Yeah. Uh, she grew up in Japan. She was influenced by her grandmother and big brother to play the guitar. Hell yeah. When she was in college in Japan, she joined an all-girls band called Women. Oh, She's into, Jesus. like, punk rock music and, like, metal yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Real women. <laughs> okay. I mean, if, if, there's, if it's in English, you're like, eh, let's, let's move on. Yeah. In 1997... <laughs> She meets Richard at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, an acting school in Hollywood, California. Okay. And he meets her and thinks that, oh, she's just the perfect calm to his chaos. You know? I'm going to point to this story when people ask why I don't just like settle down with a, a nice, sane girl. I'd be like, look, you get someone looking for the calm to their chaos. Look what happens. <laughs> yeah, his chaos was too much. Yeah, yeah. His chaos is very big. Yeah, it is every time, you know. And he found someone that could deal with it. Unfortunately. Yeah. On October 12th, 1997, they get married in Nevada. <laughs> I wonder if it's in Las Vegas. I don't know. No, dude, it's Reno. Yeah. 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 The same year that they met and got married... Which is interesting. They meet and get married the same year. In Nevada. Yeah. Richard also gets arrested and sentenced to jail. For um, what? He was charged with misdemeanor vandalism, vehicle tampering, and disturbing the peace. What did he do? He pleaded no contest to vandalism and the other charges were dismissed. What did he do? He was sentenced to 30 days in jail, two years probation, and had to pay a restitution of $100. The court records show that Heaney served four days and was then placed under house arrest. Someone steals parking space and he just fucked up a car? Maybe. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. I'd love to know the details. It sounds like he just broke someone's fucking window. Yeah, maybe. Like an asshole. It's possible. Yeah. I don't know the full details. I'm just, for that... What a whirlwind of a year. That was before they got married. That was in April. I'm just saying, for that punishment, whatever you do to get that specific punishment, I don't know what it is, but it... It's definitely a huge asshole move. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like just any lower it'd be different, any higher it'd be different. But like right there, it's like, oh, you're a dickhead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So two years after they wed, they have the first of their three sons. Bradford, born in 1999. God, I fucking Bradford. Richard's favorite because he looks the most white and similar to Richard. Well, uh, Bradford's everyone's favorite. (laughs) We've got Rio. Born in 2000, Falcon, okay. 2002. Okay. How do we feel about these names? I think Falcon and Rio are like, they're kind of cool. I wouldn't name my son Falcon or Rio, but Bradford ain't doing it for me at all. I mean- At all. Considering my middle name, I have to just not comment. It's your yeah. middle name Bradford? No, my middle name's Hawk. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rio sounds Japanese. Falcon- I mean, Bradford's obviously the worst one. Isn't that funny that Bradford came out looking the most white and also has the most white name? Well, that's why they named him Bradford. I mean... (laughs) It'd be really funny if he came out looking really Japanese. Yeah. And they were like, your name's Bradford. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting how that worked out. Yeah. So, of Mayumi, a family friend had this to say... She's traditional Japanese, which means she takes the caretaker role very, very seriously. She lives to serve Richard and the boys. She would never want embarrassment or shame for any of them. I thought she was in a feminist punk rock band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mayumi's life, not for me. Nope. Like, I think about 
being married to Richard Heaney, I think about having three sons under the age of 10, and I'm like, yeah, just send one of them up in a balloon. Send me up in a balloon. Yeah, like, it was nice knowing you. Yeah. You belong to the universe now. <laughs> shit. They were little shit. They were little shits, too. Like, really? I, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. they're Richard's sons, yeah. I know. Like, living to serve these four boys sounds like personal hell to me. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, I'm several. including Richard under the classification of boys, because he, too, is a little shit. I mean, yeah, clearly. He's like, at this point in his life, you know, I can't say where he's at now, yeah, but during this period, guess. he's just an attention-seeking, overgrown child that just takes out all of his emotions on other people. <laughs> Dude, and it's like, how do I know this much about them personally? About that, how do I know that their sons are little shits? I, I yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't form such strong opinions. Well, you know? I don't know the. I don't remember the story, so I don't know how they were depicted in the fucking news and shit but i was i was yeah i don't know how you know this well his family was on abc's wife swap oh of course they were twice oh that's how i know oh boy so there is a plethora of footage of this family and their interactions before the balloon boy incident happened the first episode but what yeah the first episode aired a year and before in 2008 hey, oh, the that second makes sense, so. episode aired just months before it took place. You can no see them. Shit. You can see the crafts that they're building. Wait, so n really? Yeah. So not, I would have thought at least one time would be like celebrity wife swap, like like famous nope. former 15 minutes, you get your 16th minute of fame wife, wife swap. Nope. So for anyone who's <sighs> not aware of the premise of wife swap. Um, it's in the title. Yeah. You take two families, usually two very different families. You take the moms of those families and swap places. Yep. And the producers love to match families with, you know, very different attitudes and lifestyles. Oh, all sorts of yeah, make awesome. good television. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Do they have to fuck? No. <laughs> God, in fact, <laughs> when... Okay. When they first appeared on the show, the Heenies were described as, you know, they're storm chasers who live on the edge. <laughs> and they're matched with this Connecticut family, the Martells, okay. who literally own a business specializing in childproofing homes. And they're like terrified oh, to no. let their sons go in the woods. They like won't let their sons play on without um, like knee pads and helmets. Well, the, all these people are fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to share some clips from this episode so yes, that we can get please. a good idea of who Richard Heaney is. Fuck yeah. What type of family man he is. I'm so excited. And the woman that you'll hear in the clips is not Mayumi. That's Karen Martell because she's okay. the one who's playing mom to the Heaney family for these two weeks. So this is Karen's interactions with Richard. And when you ask the question about do they have to sleep with them, it's funny because when Karen arrives, one of the first things that one of the boys says to her is, just so you know, my dad doesn't want to sleep with you. Oh, wow. I mean, also, we have to remember that this is reality television, so yeah. it's obviously an exaggerated oh, yes. version, I imagine. Totally. Okay. In Colorado, the family's back from a failed day of storm chasing, and Richard, who feels Karen's been nagging him all day, has yet still more work for her. Hey, Karen? Yeah, what? Could I ask you You to know what? Get this done? is exactly what I've been talking about. What's that? This is really this guy. A, a, pure, a perfect example. Go get this. Go get that. Go do this. Go do that. Okay, you're supposed to live the life of Mayumi. Mayumi doesn't jack Karen me. She doesn't go... And I really, really don't want to hear that because you're entering into a huge negative field. Okay, here you go. Here's how I handle this. <laughs> hey, baby, come on in and get my jackhammer. 
You know what I'm gonna do? Hey, this is a rental store. I got a broken jackhammer here over here. I think the switch is broken. How do you turn the jackhammer off? I've been listening, you're nagging, you're moaning, you're groaning all day long, and I don't want to hear it. Really? She went for the juggler. And I'm gonna tell you, man, it's not right. You don't do that after a hard day's work. You saw what happened to the rocket, you saw what happened to us, we plunged. That's what happened. Man loves cocaine so much. <laughs> oh, holy shit. He fucking loves that booger sugar. He's a live wire. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously playing it up for the cameras and shit, you know. He's like, what a piece of yeah. Shit. yeah. He sucks. That, that man sucks. So, um, you remember Barb? Barbara, his former business partner? Yes, heard yes, earlier? yes. So Karen Martell tries to get through to Richard and like sincerely talk to him and be like, dude... It's really hard to have a conversation with you because of the way you like explode. And I don't know if it's like because I'm a woman. It seems like you have some interesting ideas about womanhood because earlier in the episode, he does. He says to um, he says to Karen that women over the age of 25 are past their prime. <laughs> and the only reason why, um, you know, um, Mayumi is is good is uh, because right. she has a youthful Japanese spirit, you know, right. She she's very childlike. And yeah, honestly, she idiot. is, because when you pop over to the Martell's household to see how Mayumi's doing over there, yeah. she's a crazy woman. Okay. <laughs> like, she is like a child. She's like skipping around like la la la. Like oh, she well, acts like a, a little kid. Maybe they're and she maybe also, they're having a good time. Yeah. She also has a, a hair trigger where she went okay. she, she explodes. And, and screams. <laughs> so these people are just fucked. Yeah. Okay. So here's Barb getting brought in. They're, her and Karen are going to try to yeah. talk to Richard, you know, honestly and compassionately. Sure. See how it goes. Traded and unable to communicate with Richard. She decides to call in reinforcements in the shape of one of Richard's female friends and colleagues. I don't feel like at this point I have the tools to be able to work with him. And I'm hoping that by calling a friend of his who is also a woman, I might be able to get forward. Um, I feel like I couldn't get to the next level with you of working with you as a team because I am a woman. I just find it very difficult to deal with somebody who's not letting me uh, say what I gotta say. Sometimes I'll say something and then another guy will say the same thing and you'll take it from him, but you don't take it from me. I really sense that I'm being attacked. Richard! You're talking, <laughs> no, Richard! No, 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 you're not Richard? allowing me to speak. You're not allowing me to speak. Barb, seriously, yeah. I want you to leave. You hurt me personally as a female. Jesus wow, Christ. Please. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a fucking little bitch. What the fuck, dude? Oh, like, God. I cannot imagine what Mayumi's life is like. Oh, yeah. Sis, you know what? We don't, we just don't gotta think. We, got, yeah. we don't gotta worry but, about that. Okay, don't worry. Because Richard does eventually apologize to Karen in song form. Oh, good. Well, you know, it's and the camera. The worst part is that she's moved by it. Like uh, as we, as you watch this clip, you're gonna see her start to tear up, and it's just like, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I just thought, God, Karen has such an impact on me that I wrote you a song. Oh. I wanna oh, god. tell you how oh, god. much you mean to me and my family. Oh my We're God. sad to see you go. We like you, you know. You're not half bad. Your bad half makes me whole. Oh my God! What the fuck? Can I get a hug for you? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> and her husband's just slow clapping. What the that fuck is this? That. What Thank the you. fuck is this? 
Well, that was the best apology I ever got. <laughs> what the fuck is Thanks. this? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I really put in everything I could. Oh, I hate Sorry. all of you. What the you fuck did. is wrong I with did. you? You're awesome, Karen. What is this? Really? Uh, so why? In both of these episodes, in this one and the other one, why? Richard has these moments where he will, he'll fall back and he'll admit to, to the wife, to the stand-in wife, yeah. I was wrong. Sure. You were right. Now that I'm doing things your way, I see that it is good. Oh, I'm no. so sorry. And then in doing that, like Karen Martell, she has, because she's a soft, kind-hearted woman, she thinks that Richard is being honest with her. Right. She thinks that she's actually gotten through to him. And she has a moment where she's like, now all of a sudden she's raw. And she's like, oh my God, I can't tell you how much it means to me for you to say that for that I made an impact on you. Yeah. That you might actually change now. But it's all just like, it's for a day. And then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Man's got no consistency. Right. Um. And you, I mean, it's, it's obvious to tell when it's like. Also, that song. Come on. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. But, you know, it's just. If he goes to like, oh, you were right about everything. I was wrong. Like, that's not. That's never honest. You know no. what I mean? Like, this, that's not how shit works. Yeah. So apparently fans enjoyed watching the Heaney family so much. Uh, they were voted by fans to be featured in a swap again for the show's 100th episode special where they had 24 couples to choose from and fans could vote for which um, families they wanted to see swapped with each other. Okay. So <laughs> we learned some new information about the Heenies in this episode. Okay. They've more or less given up their storm chasing thing as, you know, their full-time hobby and, and passion and moved their attention over to like UFOs, science experiments, okay. aliens. Hell yeah. They get swapped with the Silver family. Which includes a stay-at-home dad with a righteous mullet. Oh, yeah. Very cool guy. He loves cleaning. He loves taking care of his family. He loves driving his wife and kids around. Oh, yeah. Awesome man. And a psychic mom who can speak to the dead. Fuck yeah, I love these guys. They're yeah. great. They're awesome. I love Cherie them. Cherie is a very, like, she's such a cool woman. I live um, in a dream. Her paired with Richard Heaney is very fascinating. At one point, she does try to hypnotize him into becoming a better dad. And <laughs> he does not take it seriously at all. He totally fucks with her. He pretends to be hypnotized. Oh. And then he like hops up and he's like, oh my God, I just discovered perpetual motion. And like. I mean, you're not going to hypnotize a Richard Heaney. No, but then yeah. she gives him a past life regression. And this is where he finds out that he's a, he was a space captain and all of this stuff. Oh, and no. after that, he decides that Sheree is a real psychic. Up until that point, he had been fucking with her the whole time. <laughs> oh, like testing oh, her no. psychic powers. But after the past life regression, now, he, oh, I want to be a space captain. So I guess she's real. I mean, we don't know what the producers prompted and whatever, of course, but. Yeah. I'm still excited. Returning for a second swap are the incredible storm-chasing Heenies of Colorado. Incredible, storm that's season a word. is over, but the Heenies still live it's a life of adventure. Mom Mayumi is devoted to helping her fringe scientist oh, and inventor husband Richard build a flying saucer and hunt for UFOs. Man loves cocaine so much. As they hope to find evidence supporting their belief that all humans are descended from aliens. <laughs> Mayumi also manages to take care of the three rough, tough Heenie boys who are completely oh, out of this world. Also returning to swap again, the extraordinary Silver family of Florida. 
Psychic Mom Sherry can see into the past, the future, and beyond. She does psychic readings, hypnosis, and communicates they all with look the so dead. Uncomfortable while beautifully Crawford house husband Sam devotes himself to domestic duties and maintaining the family's calm, serene lifestyle. Sherry knows the future holds stardom for sons Andrew and Justin, and she's completely devoted to fostering their creativity. Oh my. Oh shit, I thought we were going to see the past life regression. I wish I could find a clip Fuck. of Let me... Okay. I could not find any clips of the episode itself and the, the things that go on within it. You'll just have to trust me that it's outstanding television okay. and to, like, go watch it yourselves. There's a point where Cherie Silver, she arrives at the Heaney house. Before she gets there, they don't know which family they're being swapped with. But before she even goes to the airport, she's like, I'm packing warm clothes because I know that I'm going to Colorado. We're going to swap with the storm chasing family. Uh, I'm sensing a lot of chaos in my future. Oh, boy. And what do you know? That is where she ends up. And as soon as she gets to their house, she sits down at their <laughs> at their dining room table and goes, I was hoping aliens weren't involved. <laughs> I knew they would be, but I was hoping they weren't. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. So... The only other clip from the episode is at the end, they do this very awkward thing where they have the children of both families sit at a table and talk to each other. Oh, no. So the Silvers have two boys that are very awkward. They used to do tap dancing, except they quit because after their first appearance on Wife Swap, they were bullied mercilessly for tap dancing. Oh, my God. So now they're musicians. Oh, God. And in fact, it's Cherie Silver who encourages Richard Heaney to get his family to be more musical because Mayumi already plays guitar. She's very right. musical. Yeah. One of the things that she does during her swap is she suggests that they do a musical as a family and like play music together. And yeah. from there, they start doing it after. Okay. But here's the kids sitting down together. It's judgment time for everyone. The couples and their children are about to come face to face for the first time. I'm Andrew Silver. Hi, oh my Justin. God! Uh, I'm cool. Brad. I'm the oldest. He's Rio. He's five. No, just kidding. Okay. I have a lot of fun through um, what I do. I'm an actor. I play the guitar. So you know, pretty much every day is fun for me. I, I also enjoy film, movies. All right. Yeah. This kid scratching his head with his shoe. Then he's banging his head on the table. Then he's slapping himself in the face repeatedly. The Heaney boys are out of control. They're out of control. Pictures. I do lots of different things. Me too. I do like, I eat food. I don't eat breakfast that much. Your mom did a lot of things that bothered our dad. She said that he wasn't a real father because he helped around the house, which is exactly what she does at your house, I'm assuming. She likes doing that stuff. How do you feel about it? Well, I sometimes help out my mom. Not that much. When we met your mom, we didn't know she was going to be that old. She's too old to be that high. Oh. Why does your brother have a mustache? Not very nice at all. Okay, so what's your rules now? Okay, um, we had to um, put together um, a rock band. Yeah. Did you like that? Yeah, we uh, loved it. The next rule was that we had to go skydiving. Skydiving? As the children continue their frank discussion, I go to the bathroom now. The couples get down to business. Wow. First week, 
Honestly, the energy on your voice. Oh, does it so include this? Low. Yeah. Compared oh, this to is your even better. House. Just uh, take it as a fact. No, your okay. feelings, not a fact. I'm describing what I saw. I She's feel like uh, Justin is confused. I didn't realize that this was about insulting each other's children. You have to, uh, you know, what? Uh, making a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you something really? This is bothering me. Don't you ever tell her to shut up? She's obnoxious. She talks nonstop. Okay, I gotta ask you this. I need to know. I need to know. Go ahead, ask. What's with the haircut? What's wrong with it? I don't have to. That thing went out in the '80s, man. What's wrong? What's wrong? Business in the front. Yeah, party in the back. Don't you not be so obnoxious? Your kids are picking that up, and they're gonna grow up to be like you. That's a good thing. Your kids are. Just like you! Richard was laughing his head off at the fact that I was going to take the children to learn how to tap dance. <laughs> and all three boys absolutely loved it. If you could have seen uh, the expression on Rio's face. It was unbelievable. I mean, there was no denying mm. that kid wanted to be there a thousand percent. Sherry uh, had asked me if I would volunteer to do a past life regression. I didn't know what to expect, you know, but i never experienced anything like this. And I'm gonna tell you something. She is a real psychic. She's as real as can be. These people are all fucked. They're all fucked. They're all so fucked. They're all so fucked. Oh God, I feel so horrible for those so, two children. All of the children. No, just those two kids. The other ones are too far gone to feel bad for. Yeah, I yeah. feel especially bad for Justin Silver. Which one's he? He is the, the younger of the silver gotcha. children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so I implore anyone listening who's curious to please check out this episode, Wife Swap Season 5, the Heaney slash Silver Family episode. It's the 100th episode. You'll find it. It's on you know, Hulu. I wasn't expecting to watch Wife Swap. I'm glad we did. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys staged a balloon hoax, huh? Yep. And this happened like right before... Part of the whole thing in, in their episode is that they're like building stuff. They're building a hovercraft. Whoa. Building UFO things. They're building things to put up in the sky. So like <laughs> literally see the pieces of shit going on in the garage. Uh, oh man. To okay. me, that, that episode of Wife Swap is like an appetizer for what's to come. Sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so many moments of foreshadowing within it. Okay. So I found footage from MSNBC the day of the event when a broadcast gets interrupted so that they can share news of the balloon boy. And then they stick with this story for the next two hours until the balloon lands. I'm going to ask all three of you to hang on just a minute because we have rather an incredible breaking news story that we're following right now. And this is coming to us out of Colorado. Oh, what shit. you all see right there is an experimental aircraft that inside of which is a six-year-old boy <laughs> who got into that aircraft no. not that long ago and accidentally launched it. It's hard to believe, but it is absolutely true. It's coming to us. Uh, this is the balloon. Uh, it is coming to us from KUSA. The chopper is taking pictures, and I believe this balloon, again, experimental with a six-year-old little boy whose parents have created this experimental balloon inside. It's about 10,000 feet up. That's the approximate height right now, traveling at pretty wicked speeds right there. This is in the area of Greeley, Colorado. The family home, I believe, is in Fort Collins, Colorado. So apparently this experimental balloon was attached somehow to the house of the family creating it. She doesn't it. know what the fuck she's no. talking about. 
Okay. Okay. So now we have some footage of a neighbor sharing what he observed that morning. They're uh, they're good kids. Uh, he gives them a lot of free reign, but on the other hand, I think he's a very responsible, caring parent, and as is their mother. What else can you tell us about the neighborhood and just how they blend in here, and you know what's going on right now with with the neighbors? Uh, well, I think everybody's concerned about what's going on. Uh, when I what happened this morning was. Uh, I was getting ready to go somewhere and I heard a lot of commotion in the backyard and, and people running around. They didn't know what had happened and they looked too busy and occupied for me to interrupt and ask what was going on. And then as I left, uh, two of the boys were up on the roof of the house with a camera saying something about their brother having, uh, uh, you know, left on, I thought it was an airplane, a little small airplane or something. <laughs> could you see it yourself? No, I could not. <laughs> Did the boys indicate that they saw? Falcon, you know, attached to the balloon in the basket. It would be Falcon. Yeah, it's the littlest. So that's all happening. Um, there is footage, like they did happen to be recording on camera, you know, the whole morning where they have the boys screaming like, Falcon's in there. Oh, the, the balloon went up. A Falcon's in there. Like, Shit. So that footage exists. So this is just like a one day long thing? Yeah. Okay, okay. We have live coverage of the balloon landing that happens later on in that, that MSNBC coverage. So this is like, they, they interrupt the president talking, there's this fucking yeah. saucer balloon flying around, there's like a child in there, it's going super fast. And this is true. This is true. It was a softer landing, I think, than anyone certainly thought it it's when we started carrying this earlier. Susan, let me get you in here. What what are we, what are we seeing here for this landing? I can't imagine a better scenario. Soft plowed field, no power lines, a gentle descent, people there to catch him. This is a very wonderful ending, I think, too, as long as he's okay inside. But boy, you couldn't ask for a better outcome. How incredible is that? Lester, you're still with us. We oh were talking God. about power lines. We saw houses in the horizon and now an open field. And we're waiting to see any uh, signs uh, of what may be going on inside the attachment. But what do you th oh what do you perspective-wise think of this landing we just witnessed? Well, you, you, what you couldn't hear is my audible sigh uh, <laughs> uh, watching this come down. I think I ours, think our, too. I think everyone. All of our hearts, hearts were beating here. Yeah. Um, this, this I want to I want to hear him acknowledge well, it. Up to, up to the point we would oh, find out he's I have okay. That. Okay. That's next. Okay. <laughs> so now's the part where they figure out that the kid's not in there. That there's, there's nobody inside. Um, the reports were that the child was in here. This was his brother uh, reportedly saw him go inside, but we've seen no real movement toward that attachment as they've deflated the, the, the mushroom part, if you will, of this experimental aircraft completely. So now one, one wonders, <laughs> they are now moving closer to the attachment and you see some uh, movement there, David, with the shovel around the attachment. They're kind of hitting yeah. it. <laughs> just because I just heard from the Megan, apparently KUSA, their photojournalist is uh, on the scene is saying that uh, there was nobody in uh, this compartment, <laughs> uh, that the compartment uh, is empty, uh, which would explain that, um, I suppose, the way that they're, they're handling, handling this it. and trying to officially um, sort of verify that and then that gets obviously to the uh, a couple of questions um is it did the did the boy fall out um along the way <laughs> or um is this part of some sort of hoax or some oh sort of yeah. attention by the family that a, a lot of people are already suggesting is kind of a strange family to begin with Let's Let listen to <laughs> god oh the moment of truth oh my god so funny 
So later it's that so day, incredibly funny. The sheriff has to break the news that Falcon's been found safe and alive. He was in the attic. Oh my god. He's been located, he's alive, he's at the house. So all of the reports that we had earlier, fortunately, misinformation. Uh, I, I don't know. We, did, we, we just got the page from somebody on the scene that he's at the house and he's been located. Still from wife swap. I, I don't know. You know, they just read the page to me that he's at the house and he's fine. And that's that's the, all the information I have. Do you know if he was ever in the basket? I don't know. We're going to have to find those things out. I said the page, you just heard the yeah. page come across the same time I He's like this sheriff will hear him talk later yeah. and we'll hear a difference in his voice. He's so shaky right now. Yeah. Like he's so overwhelmed. Like what a day he's had. Seriously. Um, Richard Heaney addresses the media. Okay. I don't know how to quite frankly answer any of them other than I've got a box. And so later on tonight, 730, I want to meet you guys again. I can look these questions over. And then I can answer them, okay? So I'm going to place the box up front. Please write your questions down because I've got stuff. Friends are telling me they're saying this and that. I have no idea what the news is saying. I'm not, uh, I don't have a cable, so, okay? <laughs> no, not, not at all. I want, I want the friend. This fucking guy. Could you just say once and for all, was this some sort of publicity stunt? Was this a hoax? And will you talk to the police today? Absolutely no hoax. I want your questions in the box. I'll get right back to you, okay? He doesn't even leave the box. Yeah. He walks away with the box. Oh my god. <laughs> it's brilliant. So that's him addressing the media that day and being like, if you got any questions, uh, here's the box. I have to go check the internet and see what the news is saying yep. before I answer anything. Yeah, then he takes the box. They don't even put yeah. the questions in the box. So then later, you know, he brings out Falcon. Yeah. He's carrying Falcon. Falcon. They, and he addresses the media again now. Okay. This guy's highly entertaining. Put in the attic and <laughs> he's scared me because he yelled at me. That's why I went in the attic. I heard Shaddy. I didn't even want to come out really soon or else he would yell at me and I'd probably get in trouble. I yelled at him for going inside of it. Uh, <laughs> It's potentially dangerous if you get inside and the electricity comes on. He went up to me and went over like this. Um, I'm going to go sneak inside and then he went inside. So he said he's going to sneak inside? Okay. Told Bradford he's going to sneak inside. Jesus Christ. I'm really sorry I yelled at him. We got him. Scared the heck out of us. We were on the uh, sofa, and uh, Mayumi screamed, and he came out of somewhere. Where'd you come out of? Hello? Fucking on a popsicle. The attic. What did you think when the balloon came down and your son wasn't in it? Uh, that tore me apart. Uh, the only thing I could think of was that he had fallen out. And um, so I had to retract back in my mind, did he fall out? or? Uh, how to feel to see my son again? This is a relief. Uh, we're gonna watch him a lot closer. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. Gotta go back to acting school, buddy. 
Jesus Christ. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Him, my like, God. It's so interesting to watch Richard as he observes his children answering questions. You can yeah. tell that both him and Mayumi are so worried. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids are worried, too. Yeah. Like, Falcon doesn't know what to say. And then the second one, whoever that was, you could, like, you could look at his eyes. He was looking up at his dad. Yeah. While he was slowly answering the question. Yeah. So everything comes crashing down that night. That night? When they Fuck do yeah. an interview on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. And Falcon just straight up says, you said we were doing this for the show. Richard Haney, the father of Little Falcon. Uh, uh, Richard, earlier in the show, I asked you to relay the question to uh, Falcon. He was uh, hiding in the garage for about four hours. And I asked you to ask him, why didn't he come out after he heard you and, uh, and his mom and everybody else screaming for Falcon? And uh, you said to him, uh, Falcon, why didn't you come out? And Falcon said, hmm, you guys said that, hmm, we did this for the show. And you said, hmm, uh, what, what did he mean, <laughs> we did this for the show? Um, I had no idea. I think he was talking about the uh, media. Had been asking him a lot of questions, so um, somebody had asked him that question earlier. You want to ask him now? I don't know if he can hear me. Uh, what he meant by what he said, we did this for the show. You you want to ask Falcon? <laughs> Falcon, they want to know. Um, they want to know why you were in the attic. Okay, for so long, and why you uh, <laughs> say, say it again? Why, why he said? At least he he said we did this for the show in explaining why he didn't come out of the attic. Um. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, interrupt this real quick because I think I just see the direction <laughs> you guys are hedging on this because earlier uh, you would ask the police officers some questions. Uh, the media out front, we weren't even going to do this interview. Um, wow, guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not handled very well. No. Mm, not looking good for you. No. So after that, pretty much, like, the media turns against them. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's fairly obvious. Like, it, that clip looks like it's from a fucking comedy movie. The timing of the way he fumbles around that question and shit. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh god. So the sheriff from earlier who was all flustered like I don't know, he's just safe, okay? Now he has to break the news to his community that it was a hoax. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's shook. Uh, yeah. As I said, this is it has been determined uh that this is a hoax. Uh that it was a publicity stunt. Uh we believe that we have evidence at this point to indicate that it was a publicity stunt done with the hopes of uh, marketing themselves or better marketing themselves for a reality television show at some point in the future. After the fact, we have since learned, as many of you have, that these people are actors. Uh, not only have they appeared in several reality television shows and on YouTubes, this <laughs> is determined that in fact they met together the way that they met and established a relationship was in acting school in hollywood so needless to say they put on oh, a very, very good, good show for us and we bought it <laughs> oh good lord so obviously richard heaney denied everything sure the public didn't buy it in fact it was pretty easy for everyone to believe that that they did it 
yeah. uh, including the judge presiding over their case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do um, face some consequences for this. Oh, do they? They do. <gasps> I can't wait to see this man in court. In court Wednesday, Richard Heaney choked back tears as he apologized. But I, but I do want to um, reiterate, I'm very, very sorry. And I want to apologize to... Um, <clears throat> All the rescue workers out there. The judge sentenced yeah. him to 90 days in jail, oh, including shit. 60 days of work release. His wife was sentenced to 20 days in jail. Both were given four years probation and barred <coughs> from profiting from the balloon stunt during that time. The judge ordered Richard Heaney to begin a 30-day jail term on January 11th, delaying the start of the sentence for two weeks so he can spend the holidays with his family. Myra Lopez, The Associated Press. Yep. Wow. But guess what? What? They got pardoned in December 2020. Finally. What, they already did the jail, though? They did. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. They, they faced the consequences. That's they sure. got the media shitstorm, you know. Um, never took responsibility for it, but, I mean, Mayumi kind of did, but then she took it back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in an official statement, Governor Jared Paulus said... In the case of Richard and Mayumi Heaney, the balloon boy parents, we are all ready to move past the spectacle from a decade ago that wasted the precious time and resources of law enforcement officials and the general public. Richard and Mayumi have paid the price in the eyes of the public, served their sentences, and it's time for all of us to move on. It's time to no longer let a permanent criminal record from the balloon boy saga follow and drag down the parents for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Say, why not? What's the point? What do you, what do you, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, though, like, I could see both sides. I mean. But really, though, who who does care? Nobody was hurt. Yeah. U I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, this is just a statement on how easily manipulated the media is. See, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that they, sh they shouldn't have had to go to prison, but they should have to forever be known as the Bloom Boy people. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> Yeah, that I guess should it's drag them down for the rest of their lives. I, I guess it's because it wasted so much resources and like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I like. I get it. But it's not something you should whatever. do. <laughs> I'm about to tell you two reasons why Richard wanted this removed from his record, besides for you know the obvious. Of yeah. It out of it. Uh, the felony conviction was preventing Richard from obtaining the a felony. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A general contractor's license in their current home state of Florida because Richard was doing renovations. In I don't want that man yeah. working on my house. Oh, but that's what he does. He Other, I mean, he looks like a contractor. Money. Yeah. yeah I've, I know that I've, I've met that man. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. We've all met that man. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I like kind of have a soft spot for him, even though he's a total fucking asshole. <laughs> well, they all are. Yeah. I've, the, the versions I've met, you know. I'm, he also thought that. Oh, what their home life's like. You know. Get get rid of this felony conviction. Maybe I have better uh, chances of appearing on uh, not wife swap Shark Tank. Oh sure, he wanted to go on Shark Tank because he's an advent an inventor. Okay, right. Yeah, for example, he created um like the blow jab. It's a fan that farmers can put down their pants to cool their junk off what? as they're working outside. What the fuck are you talking about, I, Richard? He has so many bizarre inventions um but if only he could just get on shark tank he he could he could convince those sharks to invest i'm sure he could so because they were pardoned the crime has been removed from both richard and mayumi's records but you know 
they've held that they're innocent since 2009. Shut up. Like, come on, guys. Own it. Yeah. They were also forced to pay um, $36,000 in restitution to authorities, and the judge prohibited them from monetizing their experiences, so no books, no movies, no more episodes of Wife Swap. You know what I'd do? But they, what, I, what I'd do if I was their publicist? You fucking own it. Like, you don't monetize the experience, but you become the people we hoax, like, we're the hoaxers. Yes, you own it. You get a YouTube channel going, you hoax some motherfuckers. Not federal, not law enforcement. Right. You know? But Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I wish Richard Heaney had made it to Shark Tank. That'd be fun. So that I could have a clip of it, yeah, yeah. but he never got on. So let's check in with the Heaney family and try to figure out, like, what have they been up to this past decade? Okay. Well, the Heaney boys made a band, heavy metal band. Um, oh, good. And Richard, you know, we heard his musical talents earlier. He wrote a rock opera called American Chili. What? What the fuck? Let me find the description for it. Okay. The story... <laughs> of American Chili. Okay. It's about Morgan Enright, a fake news reporter. Oh my God. Who hustles his three teenage boys, the Heaney boys, <laughs> to the desert to run the last place to get gas, food, and lodging. It's called American Chili. <laughs> a curse of peyote water and cactus people drives a toilet monster to haunt Morgan Enright, the fake news reporter. What? To live stream murder by smiking... By spiking patrons' chili with laxatives. It's Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Very ambitious. Yeah. This this track is... It's a high school musical. This track is Heaney Boys. Boy, it's Heaney Boys with a Z. Yep. American Chili. From American Chili. It's got 7.4 thousand views from nine years ago. That's not that many. No. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, that's not even their worst song. Like, I, I included one earlier that's like really funny. <laughs> yeah, play the one that that's underneath the Balloon Boy incident of 2009 header called "Chasing Tornado." I just hit finger it out. Oh, finger it out! No. Yeah. I was it's about sexting. Yeah. They're children. Yeah. They're still children. This is from many years ago. It features some really creepy footage of what's obviously a teenage girl that's like a friend of one of his sons. Yeah. Um, where Richard is like filming her in a bikini. Jesus Christ. That one's called Finger It Out. Jesus Christ. It's like, what are you doing? Okay, then they have this one called Chasing Tornadoes. This, this is all Richard's music. Yeah. The fuck is... Jesus Christ. This one's really funny. Oh, these poor kids. You're not ready for the vocals. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. 
So I found an article from 2019 written by Robert Sanchez on 5280.com where he goes and visits the family in 2019, a whole decade after. And at this point, they're living in upstate New York and they're just like living in a camper trailer parked on the side of a country road. They're working on an old farmhouse. He's doing renovations. Wow. His customers have nice things to say about his renovations, but this is what they do. They pulled the boys out of school to be homeschooled. So they're just like Richard's workers now. Um, And they all just work on renovating houses and live this very... Did you open up the article? Yeah, no, but I'm just mostly listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted you to see the picture to like, you know, check out how time has um, aged Richard. Yeah, wow. Fucking A. You know, because I think they really thought that they were going to be reality stars and that this whole acting dream was going to pan out for them. They had this whole vision of their lives as like famous people, famous scientists, famous inventor, famous musician, famous actor, just never panned out for them. Just living in a trailer, working on old farmhouses that are falling apart. Got a bunch of shitty inventions, got a bunch of websites that you pay the, the domain leases for that, you know, get you get one sale every two months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this, um, the person who wrote this article was supplied with a bunch of evidence from, from the case. And yeah. they, got, they got to read through it. And they found transcripts of Mayumi admitting that it was a hoax. Shit. And admitting that, yes, it was a hoax, but Falcon was supposed to hide in the basement. So, yes, the beginning portion of the hoax was staged where, like, they pretend, like, you know, the whole video that I didn't include where they're like, oh, my God, Falcon's missing. He went up in the balloon. Like, yes, that's staged. But for a certain portion of the search, they legitimately didn't know where he was. Yeah, but they knew he was fine. But they knew he was fine. They didn't care. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, that did happen. And this journalist confronts um, Richard and Mayumi with, with what he found in the transcripts. And what happens is a blowout. Yeah. Where Mayumi basically has to admit under threat of Richard that she made it all up and that she was confused. And they still maintain, no, it wasn't a hoax. Wow. Yeah. If you scroll down to the bottom of the article, the journalist says that he decides to call Richard and ask for an explanation of like, what he found. Richard wanted to know if, if he could see the notes, if he could read them himself. Yeah. And he could, like, this journalist can hear Mayumi in the background just, like, yelling, I never wrote anything. I didn't do anything. Shit. But he does email photos of the notes to Richard. Say, no, this exists. Like, this, you know, so do you yeah. have anything to say about your wife admitting to the fact that it was all planned or no? So they get on the phone. And um, he's talking on the phone with Richard. Yeah. Mayumi breaks in. I made the whole story up. Richard goes, what? I wrote it, Mayumi says, starting to cry. What do you mean you wrote this? Richard yells. What the fuck are you talking about? You said you didn't know what this was. Why would you write this? To save myself because of our kids. Oh my God, fuck. What the fuck? Every time you write something, you cause a fucking shitstorm. Jesus Christ. There's a brief back and forth. Mayumi continues to cry. It's difficult to understand what she's saying. Richard's yelling some more. And all the while, this journalist is just thinking, 
they're just acting out a whole ruse for me. Like that that video of the balloon floating away. Yeah. Richard's yelling and the kids are yelling, oh my God, he's up there. What the fuck? Yeah. This journalist gets the sense that a performance is happening for him right now on the phone. You know, where this tearful confession of Mayumi's where, I'm sorry I wrote that. I made it all up. I made the story up. Jesus. And then he asks, Mayumi, are you saying that you made the story up in the notes? These notes that you wrote for your attorney, you made it all up. Yeah, she goes. Yeah. A couple of moments of silence pass. Richard speaks up. Mayumi, you're covering your mouth. I don't think he could hear you. Yeah. Oh. Mayumi says more clearly. I made it up. Yeah, Jesus. And that is the two of swords. It's this person like, it's interesting that in the Thoth deck, it's peace. Because that is what can, like, because it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's what can be achieved if you overcome what's featured in this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is someone who is blocked off to the truth. They're at a stalemate. They are, they cannot, they're denying things. They have the blindfold over their eyes. They're defensive. Exactly. Everything's fine. Nobody would care if you admitted. We all love you for it, okay? If you would just admit that you did the hoax and owned it and you were like, I'm Richard Heaney, the asshole. Like, I'm Richard Heaney, the dysfunctional, manic bastard. Like, we would love you for it if you would just own it. Yeah, it's also, um, ah, what the fuck is the right? This dude only knows how, like, I'm trying to think about how to connect it back to Edgar Allan Poe too, but I suppose you can in a second, but, uh, this, this dude only knows how to, um, create quote unquote peace by blustering through something new, a new situation, a new thing. Um, yeah. That fucking, he's, a, you know, he's, he's riding a dirt bike into a fucking hurricane. Right. Like that's what this dude is. The thing that ties these stories together is that they're both about the power of storytelling and the role of the media in shaping public perception and how you can use the media to tell stories. Yeah. And I think what's, uh, there's also a difference between Edgar Allan Poe and fucking Richard Heaney. Incredibly, you know what I mean? incredibly like, different because the motivations are different. The outcomes are different. The technological context, like in 2009, you can unravel a hoax real fucking quickly with fact checking and real time updates. In 1844, things can be circulated for a while before they're debunked, you know? Yeah. And also there's like, there's no harm in the first one either. No. Right. It's just a good time, feel good story. Right. Right. Like, like no in this one, it's public resources went out to like. Yeah. You know? And they're all, it's also not trying to garner sympathy or cause worry about anything. It's like, look how cool this thing is. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if there's a little kid that might die and everyone gives a shit and there's cop cars fucking driving through the. And that's why the consequences are so different. Like Poe's story helped bolster his reputation as like a storyteller it it added to his mythos it helped the new york sun like it was good publicity it had a good outcome it inspired stories what happened with the balloon boy legal repercussions fines jail time a, a horrible reputation and stain upon your family nobody's seen american chili nobody cares no no one cares you know the motivations and and the outcomes are exactly the the differences. It's also, you can also think of um, the two of swords as like, you know, uh, a fucking Pokemon in, uh, uh, in Yetzera. And like, that's like the, the, uh, you know, the first blast of air. Yep. Right. Like it's the, 
yeah the 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 masculine principle of like of of air kind of just it's a bunch of hot air right mm-hmm. like <laughs> blowing in a bunch of information blowing in blowing around and shit and it is true there there is i'm i'm sure richard Miami and the kids all found peace for a brief second when they were star happened yeah the, the cycle of that happening it's what they were looking for the whole time but you know just like in the tarot there's danger and dread bubbling underneath the surface of uh the 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 two of one of uh, the two of swords yeah like all the next cards aren't great they surely are not they're not great and i also love like the role of the balloon in both of these stories just like how that telling you peep that the balloon holds a place in in the the collective unconscious it does see how fucked up people got over the balloons a couple months ago it's true lost their goddamn minds seriously (laughs) a balloon will capture the imagination it always has have you ever seen up a bunch of balloons in there oh yeah yeah sad lawn chair larry Fucking long chair. He killed himself. Really? After all that motivational talk. Damn. Fucking committed suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Or went out for long chair, Larry. Right? I mean, I could. I'm not that surprised. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does that do it? That'll do it. If you like what we do, we do have a Patreon. We do. You can get access to it $5 a month or more if you so choose. Last week, we talked about the Violet Flame Wizards of Romanian politics from 2009, the same year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And next week on our bonus episode, I think you're talking about some old theosophical shit. Yes, the stanzas of John. John. Which is apparently the ancient text that Helena Blavatsky found in her spiritual travels and translated to turn into the secret doctrine. It's not real, but... But... But yeah. But yeah. (laughs) Be looking at those stanzas. Yeah, we're going to read some fucking stanzas. So yeah, you get access to that in our Discord server over at patreon.com slash nonsense bizarre and you can also follow us on social media and give us a rating and review you can do all those things you do with all the other podcasts do them for us too you won't regret it you might regret it i hope you don't regret it (laughs) (laughs) no regrets no regrets all right guys take Take care care. peace out